I am thankful for the opportunity to um, to be here with this lesson. It's, it's honestly, it's been a quite a challenge for me. Um, I've known I was going to be having this lesson for some time, and uh, I couldn't find any way around it, so I just had to go <laughs> go with it. Um, I'm really thankful for what things I've uh, considered and thought of, and um, I wouldn't be surprised the if you got a handout. The uh, theme is the priesthood. We're in Leviticus. Uh, the theme of chapters um, eight and nine, which we're uh, intending to cover today, are we're labeling it the priesthood. Uh, throughout Leviticus, you see the priesthood, uh, but we'll make a bit of a focus here. Um, <clears throat> so I'm looking forward to that very much. And um, oh, uh, in doing so, we'll also make an attempt to see how that fits within the whole biblical message. Um, pretty important. couple um, quiz questions before we start. Well, one now, and then I'll pray, and then another one. But uh, is anybody here... Uh, connected in with the uh, Leon County school system? You are, right? Only one? <laughs> okay. Just curious. So do you get the day off tomorrow? Ed does. Oh, Ed does. Okay. Do you know why he gets the day off? <laughs> <laughs> so anybody know why um, people might get the day off tomorrow? Rosh Hashanah, yeah, Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashan, whatever it's called. Um, and what does that mean? Say that again, Ann. Uh, so actually, the, uh, that one's not the Day of Atonement. What's the, the Hebrew name for Day of Atonement? Yom Kippur. Is, yeah, so that one's Yom Kippur, and this one is 10 days before that one. So uh, tonight, actually, it starts tonight at... Um, whatever, six or seven o'clock, but Rosh Hashanah, it's really the new year, the day the um, Israelites or Hebrews, Jewish people look to as the, um, it's the first day of creation. So we're celebrating like a happy birthday to the universe <laughs> kind of a day. Um, but then it, then there's a 10 day period culminating in Yom Kippur. And I just bring it up because uh, actually in, um, I think in a couple of weeks that will, um, uh, that'll be some of the lessons that are really uh, keyed into. Um, so to be kind of inter intersecting in that way, I, to me, it's a little bit interesting. Uh, Yom Kippur, we can find it in Luke in Leviticus 16 and uh, more in Leviticus 23, um, part of the holy days. So one of our lessons is on atonement. Another is on holy days. So that's coming up. But um, we're in that time period for some of it. Let me pray and we'll start. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the week that you have brought us through, your presence uh, among us in every way. We thank you for the start of a new week, a Lord's Day, a day um, that we can rejoice in being together, rejoice being in your presence. We're thankful for the time we can be together and most thankful that it can be centered around your word. Lord, we, I ask you now, even as we consider these uh, things from Leviticus, um, they're really, um, in some ways, uh, quite different from lives we've lived, and yet uh, of great meaning. So as we go through this morning, um, help me, help us to uh, be attentive, to um, be curious, to be eager to either learn more, to be reminded. Um, help, help me as, uh, that I might present things in a beneficial way. 
So we, um, as we think of the priesthood, we think of a mediator, and we're certainly those who are in need of a mediator. Uh, we think of those mediators offering sacrifices, and we're certainly in need of that. Thank you for our perfect mediator and sacrifice. As we uh, consider this, we want to honor him. We thank you now and pray in his name, Jesus' name, amen. Let's see. Um, so the next question or quiz question, um, uh, three words to get you started. Somebody complete the verse, for all have, for all have sinned, all right? Uh, and that's the next word. I'm looking for a little bit more. <laughs> For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Good. My mic helps you hear me. You don't have a mic on, so <laughs> I have to work on that. But thank you. That's right. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, shortly after creation, um, Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They did what uh, God warned them not to do. They sinned, and then they were cast out of the garden, and they were uh, separated from the glory of God. Um, if you're not concerned about the glory of God, what are you also not concerned about? Okay, you're not concerned about your sin. Any, any more to add to that? That's certainly good. What things core co-relate with that you're not you're not concerned with your sin and the offense it is with God um, anything more that could be said you're not concerned about sharing God with other people good anything more you wouldn't be concerned about say again um that's interesting. Yeah, um, you, I think you'd have to end up saying that is you're, you rather would have a life separate from God than the, his glory. If you are concerned about God's glory and you're separated from God, God's glory, you've fallen short of his God's glory, what concerns do you have? <laughs> um, yeah, I was going from another direction, but yeah, Let, let's say you you realize that what you got went gone down that path, and it's not where you really want to stay or be, uh, Jim. Where, how to how to bridge that gap? How do I? What can be done? What can I do? Can I do anything? What has to be done? What uh, what is necessary um, to uh, to overcome that? Um, you know, interesting, we sang, many of us sang yesterday, Amazing Grace. Um, first stanza is what we sing so often. For me, the second stanza has almost become a favorite. And why is that? What does the second stanza of Amazing Grace say? It's grace that gave my heart to fear and grace my fears. All right, thank you, yeah. Grace that caused my heart to fear. Um, the, the very fact that I would have a concern that I've fallen short of the glory of God. God has opened my eyes to that, softened my heart to that. And uh, so grace, so what, what we see in this Levitical system and Levitical work, it's all a mercy of God. It's all a grace of God. We've fallen short of his glory. Um, and this with the, the tabernacle, the priesthood, the sacrifices, we're, we're, in, a, we're in a setting of... of um, seeing uh, 
a possibility of approaching God. <clears throat> One of the things that um, occurred to me, I, I'm, I was not born in that time period where, where this was happening. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't among those people as, they were, as Moses was giving these instructions. I came quite past that, and I'm kind of in a different um, time period of God's uh, work. One thought came to my mind, this may be meaningless, it may be helpful, but can you imagine somebody says, Charlie, go visit that city, you'll, you'll see some grand architecture there. And I kind of decide to walk into the city. I'm walking and for whatever reason, I, I have my head down and I can see some outlines of buildings and there's things about it that seem like, man, those, those, these are pretty amazing looking uh, buildings. And um, so I noticed that and I walked back and my friend says, well, did you go to the city? Yeah, I went to the city. Did you see the buildings? Yeah, I, I saw them. And then they start to give real, a lot more details. Did you see this structure and that feature? I went, no, I didn't really, I didn't really see that. That didn't, that, that's not something I, I, I noticed. What, what kind of problem was I having there? <laughs> what was going on with my, my visit to that city? Well, um, yeah, um, I wasn't looking in the best place, was I? <laughs> what was I seeing? What, what was I seeing in terms of buildings? I was seeing shadows, right? I was seeing shadows on the ground. I was seeing shadows and pretty nice shadows, <laughs> but they were nothing. <laughs> you know, I make another trip back in and I look at the, I look at the building and I see what what amazing architecture, what amazing. Um, uh, work has been done. <clears throat> you know, we see a, a, a lot of these Old Testament things in that aspect of God's economy. That was how God wanted to point to the future and point to Christ. Uh, but I, what we find even in the New Testament, it's like, okay, the, sh the, sh the shadows had a purpose. They had a reason <laughs> But the shadows were pointing to Christ. And uh, you know, I hope that uh, comes across to us in some of the things we look at. Um, for, for me, um, and this, I don't know what, if it's a confession or a, a good or bad or whatever, but um, knowing Christ and the beauty of Christ and the glory of Christ, that's where I want to look. That's where I want to have my eyes fixed upon and joy. And I, it's through knowing Christ that I can come back and thankfully and rightfully, um, I, I, I'm not saying that we don't want to look <laughs> at these uh, designs that God put in place for his honor and his glory. But I also want to let them accomplish their work of having my eyes fixed on Christ. So that, that comes to my mind. Um, you've got a page in front of you um, <clears throat> that says the priesthood. Uh, if you don't have a page in front of you, there's some up on this counter. I don't, Gary, maybe you can hand some out if you see any. Anybody raise your hand if you don't have. So thank you so much. At the top of uh, this page, um, you see uh, the ordination of Aaron and his sons. That would be chapter 8 of Leviticus. And then you see um, Aaron's first sacrifices. That would be chapter 9 of Leviticus. 
the outline I borrowed from um, <coughs> Ben as he gave me this lesson also gave me some notes and uh, uh, <coughs> I believe uh, the one who created the outline was uh, Gordon Wenham, the book of Leviticus, a commentary. So I, it's, uh, they, they really just follow along uh, aspects of the chapter. So, so they're there and uh, they help us gain uh, a view of the priests, of uh, consecrating the priests and uh, Aaron's first sacrifices. So we want to take a look at those. But before I do, I want to uh, bring this thought out. And then near the end, I, I want to bring out some thoughts. Can you imagine, you know, we, we think of these different time periods. There's a time period kind of in the middle of that. Um, John the Baptist is just on the scene. So John the Baptist is on the scene. He's been preaching for a while. Uh, his message is repent. And he's, his message is to prepare the way for the Lord. And some of you probably know me. I speak of this uh, from time to time. It, it impresses me. But uh, I can envision uh, John the Baptist preaching to a crowd, a crowd gathered around him. And even though he's preaching repent, there seems to be people, I, I want to hear that message because I think they're concerned about the glory of God. <laughs> and I think they know they've fallen short of the glory of God. And uh, I, I would think that, you know, by God's work, the work that God does, there, there's this sense of, I want to... Um, regain uh, my fellowship with the glory of God. And so John's preaching and then see as if he looks up and, and then he, he recognizes and he, I, I feel like he must point and he says, behold, behold. And what does he say? Behold the lamb of God. And um, he adds a little bit of a section to that. What does he say? who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I'm sitting in that crowd, maybe you're sitting in that crowd, and you're there because you're aware that you've fallen short of the glory of God. And you're aware, you have some sense of, this is a problem I can't handle. This is a problem I can't solve. Uh, though I've, I live in a system, I live in a system where there are high priests, there are sacrifices, and, you know, I'm, I'm, do, I, I'm engaging in that, I'm doing that, and I, you know, that's, I'm, that's good, good, good for me, but I have, I have some sense, you know, if maybe I've read Isaiah 53, maybe somebody's told it to me, it speaks of a, it speaks of a sacrificial lamb, and so in my heart, there's some awareness, there's something more, there's something yet to come. And John the Baptist is saying, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I don't know how many of the people standing before John shifted over that way, but there was a, there was a good number. Uh, I would have been among them. <laughs> Thank you, John. And, and John, that's what John wanted. That's, John wasn't, hey, wait, guys, no. John said, I came, I came to point out that um, Lamb of God. And so there's a, for, for some, God, God gave that in his word as well, that there's a, a perfect lamb of God, the, the most needed lamb of God, the, the uh, Levitical system, that system was put up by God's design fully for his honor, for his glory, but it was really to point towards something more. It's interesting that um, you, um, 
Yeah, we, we, so we have sacrifices. Last week, Ben, ben helped us think through those variety of, of sacrifices that were there. Well, those sacrifices needed to be, um, be dealt with by these high priests, with the priests. And so what we find, what you and I know is Jesus Christ is not only that Lamb of God, but he's also the high priest. And so, you know, there's so much that we um, rejoice in, that he, he is the only sufficient sacrifice and he's the only capable high priest. It's interesting, uh, John 1, 14 and 18, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I, many of you know that word dwelt, he tabernacled among us, the, uh, the word of God, Jesus Christ, who is God. We would read down and see um, he is the one. Uh, we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so Jesus, our sacrifice and our uh, high priest, uh, lives among us, tabernacles among us. In Christ, we see, we experience the glory of God. Interestingly, Jesus uh, had chosen his disciples. He walked with them, worked with them, trained them, taught them, rebuked them, loved them, forgave them. Um, all that he did, he told them, I'm going to die and I'll raise again. They said, no, we're not going to let that happen. It didn't connect. And yet... Uh, Jesus died, he rose again. And Luke 24 at the bottom of the page said, he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. Verse 32, they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? 44, now Jesus said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses, that would be include Leviticus, Exodus, um, and more, uh, all the things which were written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. And so it's um, even these disciples, they... Um, they needed to have it explained to them those things that were Moses writing, uh, things related to the high priest, things related to their um, anointings, consecrations, their clothing. Uh, Jesus did that. Wouldn't that be glorious? I, I wish you had Jesus in front of you <laughs> explaining these things. I, I'm sure you do too, uh, but that, uh, that he would do this. So with those things said, um, you, if you have your Bible with you, turn to uh, Leviticus 8, Leviticus, Leviticus 8. We don't have time to read through all of that. Perhaps you did before you came, but um, we'll try to take a bit of a, a journey here. Leviticus 8. Um, our point, first point, the congregation assembled in verse one through five. I think I can take time to read this. Let me do it. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, 
Again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take Aaron and his sons with him and the garments and the anointing oil and the bull of the sin offering and the two rams and the basket of unleavened bread and assemble all the congregation at the doorway of the tent of meeting. So Moses did just as the Lord commanded him. When the congregation was assembled at the doorway of the tent of meeting, Moses said to the congregation, this is the thing which the Lord com- has commanded to do. We do uh, the things that stand out and I want to point out immediately are is the Lord spoke to Moses and then Moses put into operation these things that lie ahead. Um, yeah, we see that in verse four. We see that in verse five. If I were just to direct your eyes down to verse nine, at the end of that, we see the same. They did just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Uh, verse 13, uh, we see near the end, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. In verse 17, we see at the end, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. We find very similar in verse 21. We find in verse uh, 29, uh, this sentence, Moses also took the breast and presented it for a wave offering before the Lord. It was Moses' portion of the ram of ordination, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Um, over and over and over again, what we see is just, not, not only commanded, but just as he commanded perfectly, exactly what God commanded. We're going to, you know, we recognize, we realize that God's glory, God's glory includes his, his holiness, his transcendence, his majesty. And so to approach a holy God, there cannot be uncleanness, there cannot be impurity, there cannot be unholiness. Is this the, the, the rigorousness, the detail of this? Um, you know, part of the question I ask myself, if I so wanted God's glory, if I so wanted to be in God's glory, is there anything I would not do to experience God's glory? I hope that question connect with you. The things that you see in this, to me, there's a lot of rigorousness of it, and there's a lot of continuation of it year after year after year after time after time. And yet, if I want the glory of God, I'm not only willing, I'm eager to be engaged in these things. And um, that's what um, the kind of thought comes to my mind. I I wonder what you would think. but in order for, their, for, for the glory of God to come into this uh, uh, tabernacle, uh, these commands had to be carried out, had to be carried out just as the Lord commanded. Verse, uh, the second section is, um, the second section is Aaron's uniform, interestingly called uniform. Uh, one, uh, commentator points out in our in our time of living we we don't do so many things with the uniforms uh thinking back to about 10 days ago or a week ago and in the picture in england and the vast array of uniforms you see but the real (laughs) real real vast uniforms uh but if we think of this as a uniform uh it's 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 uh designed by god it's 
planned and fashioned by God. Let me read um, in Exodus 28. Um, we can find in Exodus 28 the first five verses. The, the whole chapter uh, refers to the clothing that uh, go on uh, Aaron and his um, sons. So this is just verses one through five of Exodus 28. Uh, then bring near to yourself, I believe this is God speaking to Moses, then bring near to yourself Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the sons of Israel to minister as priests to me, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. You shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. You shall speak to all the skillful persons whom I have endowed with the spirit of wisdom that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him that he may minister as priest to me. These are the garments which they shall make a breastpiece, an ephod, and a robe, and a tunic of checkered work, a turban, and a sash. And they shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother and his sons, that he may minister as priest to me. They shall take the gold and the blue and the purple and the scarlet material and the fine linen. The uh, chapter goes on and uh, gives great detail of, of what this clothing is to look like. This is God's plan. This is God's design. This is not humans thinking how they can trump something up or what they can do to, uh, to, to fashion a system by which they can return to God's glory. No, this is what God has called them to do. We reach the end of that chapter, and let me just uh, make these, uh, this reading, verse 36 through 38. You shall also make a plate of pure gold and shall engrave on it like the engravings of a seal. You shall engrave this holy to the Lord. You shall fasten it on a blue cord, and it shall be on the turban. It shall be at the front of the turban. It shall be on Aaron's forehead, and Aaron shall take away the iniquity of the holy things which the sons of Israel consecrate with regard to all their holy gifts, and it shall be on his forehead. They shall be accepted before the Lord. Um, you know, holiness is, is it. So that he wears this turban and on the front of the turban in a gold, in a gold etching is holy to the Lord. That the whole issue. <laughs> and you and I, um, when we're aware that we've fallen short of the glory of God, when we, we fall short of that holiness, if we are not ready to receive what God says to us, we are going to create our own systems. We're going to convince ourselves that somehow we can do it. <laughs> That's what Charlie tried to do shortly after he realized he was sinful. He said, yeah, I'm sinful, but I can, I can do better. I can try harder. Uh, thankfully, God didn't let that thought continue very long at all, not long at all. And uh, aware that I, I simply need the mercy of God, the grace of God. I need him to provide this holiness in this setting. This is how he provided uh, this opportunity. Uh, further down in that chapter, verse 40 through 43, for Aaron's sons, you shall make tunics. Now we're talking about Aaron's sons. For Aaron's sons, you shall make tunics. You shall also make sashes for them. You shall make caps for them for glory and for beauty. You shall put them on Aaron, your brother, and on his sons with him. And you shall anoint them and ordain them and consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. You shall make for them linen breeches to cover their bare flesh. They shall reach from the 
loins, even to the thighs, they shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they enter the tent of meeting or when they approach the altar to minister in the holy place so that they do not incur guilt and die. It shall be a statute forever to him and to his descendants after him. <clears throat> and so this, uh, these amazing clothing, uh, quite detailed clothing. <laughs> it's not something you pick up at Walmart or um, your local clothes store. They were fashioned uh, according to God's design out of the material God provided. It's interesting as we, as I think a little bit, um, as believers in Christ, we can find, if I, Colossians comes to my mind, but we're called upon to be clothed in Christ. You and I, the only way we can be considered righteous, the only way we can be considered holy is to be clothed in the righteous robes of Christ. And um, even as, as, we're, as we're justified and we're in this uh, realm of sanctification, uh, we, have the, um, we have the truth that we're uh, righteous before God, we're set apart before him, but in this time of sanctification, we're exhorted throughout scripture to put off this fleshly things. Interesting in this last paragraph is, you know, you need closing o over this flesh. Uh, we're told as Christians to put off the fleshly uh, aspects of us and to put on, to put on Christ. We have that, the next section in this is the, the anointing, verses 10 through 13. <clears throat> I just wanna point out in, the, in that section, what you're gonna see is Moses took anointing oil and what he did, he anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it. He uh, sprinkled the altar, the altar and all its utensils, the basin and its stand, and then he took Moses, or Aaron and Aaron's sons. Uh, one by one, one after another, uh, everything in the tabernacle, all the people, uh, the clothing, all of it is anointed with oil. And the anointing is, uh, is intended to uh, create or to indicate a consecration. These things are set apart. These things are all set apart for the glory of God, for the purposes of God. Interestingly, in verse uh, 15, Moses um, took blood with, uh, and with his finger put some on the horns of the altar and purified the altar. So even the altar on which the sacrifices would be made, it had to be purified. All the utensils had to be purified. The, the individuals, the priests, the high priest had to be purified. The clothing had to be consecrated. And so we see this rigorous, um, rigorous work that this, this is just the beginning <laughs> for centuries and centuries. This would be what was going on amongst these people. We'll have to move forward with some um, rapidity and uh, skipping a bit. But uh, we have the, uh, the burnt offering. Uh, interestingly, we read that um, there's uh, occasionally there's reference to laying their hands on the head of the uh, ram in, in verse 18. Uh, lay the hands on the head of the ram. Uh, later down, verse 22, lay the hands on the head of the, um, again, the head of the ram. These ideas of identifying this picture of, I identify with this. This is what I identify um, with. And uh, interestingly, Jesus, to be our high priest, he came to identify with us. <laughs> 
Uh, he didn't take on sin as we have. He, he took on the life we have. He was tempted in every way we were, but he never sinned. And that's what enabled him to be this perfect sacrifice. It's what enabled him to be our high priest. And when we come to the end of uh, chapter 8, we read this, um, <clears throat> uh, starting in verse 33. Uh, you shall not go outside the doorway of the tent of meeting for seven days until the day that your period of your ordination is fulfilled, for he will ordain you through seven days. The Lord has commanded to do as has been done this day to make atonement on your behalf. At the doorway of the tent of meeting, moreover, you shall remain day and night for seven days and keep the charge of the Lord so that you will not die, for so I have commanded. Thus Aaron and his son did all the things which the Lord had commanded through Moses. <clears throat> and uh, so we see this, this time period. It wasn't one day, it was a period of seven days. We often hear of seven as the time of completion. And so there's this uh, uh, this this whole week that was involved in this consecration um, creating. We go to chapter nine, uh, quickly we'll, we'll look through. Uh, so Aaron and his sons became uh, enabled. Uh, they had gone through the proper price processes and now they offer their first sacrifices. In verses one through four, Moses commands to Aaron and the congregation. And uh, verse five and six, the congregation obeys. Uh, the third part, Moses command to Aaron, and Aaron obeys. At the end of, at the end of, um, <clears throat> of all that we see, as this goes on, I did want to point this out in verse twelve of Leviticus nine. Uh, perhaps I will go to eight. Let me go to eight. So Aaron came near to the altar and slaughtered the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself. Um, so he had to provide a sacrifice for himself. When you think of Aaron and you think of calves, does any connection come to your mind? Yeah, what's that? The golden, the golden calf. So interesting, so interesting. This guy who... Um, foolishly uh, entered into the creation of this idol and then foolishly denied it, saying, I just, I just threw some gold in and out came a calf. You, you know, you just see the depths of sinfulness, the, the folly that comes with any kind of sinfulness. And such a man, such a man needs forgiveness, such a man needs restoration to the glory of God. And God called Aaron to, to be in this role he uh, consecrated him. In this first thing we see is Aaron takes a calf, and uh, it's a sin offering, which was for himself. Uh, later, we, in verse 12, it says, he slaughtered the burnt offering, uh, which was a, a ram. In this case, it's a ram. When we think of a ram, we, our thoughts go back to um, a time with Abraham. What do we think of with the, the ram and with Abraham? The sacrifice. The uh, sacrifice. Abraham was going, uh, had been commanded to make a sacrifice, to make a sacrifice of his, uh, of a, he, he was called to take his son uh, when it came, came time to, um, to slay that son. Um, Abraham knew that God would provide the perfect sacrifice and it was a ram. 
Uh, of course, we think and we know in our New Testament position of, of understanding. We don't have shadows. <laughs> we have the clear, clear thing. And so we rejoice in this. And yet how perfectly God pictured these things. Uh, I, have, I have so much more to learn. And I would so imagine many of you have, have delved more into this than I do. But uh, all of these things are giving pictures of Christ as, as Christ talked with his disciples after his resurrection, I suspect there's so much pouring out of all of what these things are to mean. At the end of um, Leviticus 9, we read this. Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. And he stepped down after making the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting when they came out and blessed the people. Here's the crescendo. When they came out and blessed the people, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? The glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Most likely for each of us, the, the, the born again experience of having our sin forgiven and knowing that we can approach God, that's this, you know, that's a, a bit of a taste of the glory of God. To know Christ, the one, Christ, to have a, to have Him as my high priest, to have Him as my sacrifice, and then for my sin to be washed away, and to to be in the presence of God. I can, I can call God Abba Father. I can do that. How can I do that? Only because sin has been washed away, not by any effort of my own all by the work of Christ. The glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Then the fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and portions of fat on the altar. Uh, That fire coming out is a a, a, a sign, a reality of God accepted these sacrifices. These sacrifices were accepted. And uh, the people, when they saw it, they shouted, (laughs) rejoiced, they shouted, and they fell on their faces. Um, for you and I, uh, the glory of, of the Lord, uh, you know, so much for us to think about, so much for us to rejoice in. I'm, I, I know this person doesn't rejoice enough in the, the, the fact that he has a relationship of um, being in union with the glory of the Lord. Let me finish up with this. For us to keep... Um, some of these things in a whole Bible perspective. I just, I feel like there's some helpful things to look at. We can go to Hebrews. I may even add a few other passages, but just, just try to pay attention a little bit longer on this. This is Hebrews 5, 1 through 10. Um, Let me, let me do Hebrews 4, 14 first. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Our high priest, our, our high priest is Jesus. Hebrews 5, 1 through 10. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men in things per- pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided since he himself also is beset with weakness. And because of it, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for sin as for the people, so also for himself. 
and no one takes the honor to himself, but receives it when he is called by God, even as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest, but he who said to him, you are my son, today I've begotten you, just as he says also in another passage, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Uh, verse eight goes on, although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered and having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Another lesson for another time, but even Jesus' high priesthood is not along the lines of Aaron. He's not in that family uh, line of, of Levi. His is of Judah, and um, Judah's out of the line with Melchizedek. Hebrews 9.26, we read this, Otherwise, he would have needed to suffer often since the foundation of the world, but now, once at the consummation of the ages, he has been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Hebrews 10.10, by this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Verse 12, but he having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. Uh, another passage, Hebrews 9, 12, and, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption a passage we know and perhaps have memorized, 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, that we might see his glory. Um, what stands out to me there, I hope it would stand out for you, once for all, once for all, once for all, once for all. Uh, our Savior doesn't need to be sacrificed week after week, month after month. He's been sacrificed once for all in our, as we are drawn to faith in him as we're born again. That is a, a eternal reality for us. Our high priest, our sacrifice is Christ. And just these, have, these thoughts have to enter into our thinking, our awareness as well of several. First um, <clears throat> Samuel 15, 22 says this, and Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. I may read another verse on that, but I, I think what we're seeing here is I can, I can see some people in our generation, though we don't have these kind of sacrifices, but oh, I can, I can enjoy my sin, I can do all my sin, because then all I need to do is, I don't know, go to communion, uh, say a prayer, do a something. And uh, their uh, sinful humanity, <laughs> very easily, uh, will be deceived. Self-deceived, Satan deceived, others deceived. But we see, that we see so many scriptures along these lines. Uh, what uh, Psalm 51, 16 and 17, this is, where uh, David would have been confessing his sin. Uh, David says, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. 
Jesus spoke in Mark 12, 33, and to love him with all the heart and <clears throat> with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. We could read, uh, we could read others. When, when I sin today, I will probably within the next hour, I don't come and offer a bull. I don't come and offer a ram. Um, I do offer Christ, not as if Christ needs to sacrifice again. I simply, God reminds me, I'm reminded, um, God, your son, Jesus Christ, is my high priest. He's my sacrifice. God knows that. He doesn't need me to tell him that. I need to say that. I need to remember that because I'm prone to uh, believing Satan's lies that either I can do something to win, re-win uh, favor with God or uh, perhaps I just say it's not that important. My sin is okay. I'll sin and then I'll do some kind of a, a ritual. Um, uh, these truths are just amazing um, truths. Our reality, our shadow, uh, we, we, we can learn and we ought to learn. I'll be eager to learn more and more of uh, what we see in the Le Levitical system, uh, what's going on there, but I'll learn it best as I look at Christ, as I have my eyes fixed on Christ. I believe we all will. Let me pray and we'll finish. Heavenly Father, we rejoice. Uh, you're such a good God, a great God, a God beyond our comprehension, and yet we're eager to understand all that you would have for us. Uh, grant us a willingness, a heart of standing under you to understand you better. We do understand that you have redeemed us, um, not by winking your eye and uh, turning your head to sin, but to providing the perfect sacrifice, the perfect high priest to deal with this failing. Lord, allow us ever greater joy as we live in your glory and as we represent you. you we are too called uh, to be priests, to be priests that live in the light and proclaim you and declare you. Uh, grant us um, your presence, your help as we do that. We thank you now for our morning ahead still in further worship. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.